downtown Cape Elizabeth, Maine, following the first presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden that took place tonight in Cleveland, Ohio. It's Tuesday, September 29, 2020, 35 days before Election Day and about 10 minutes after the debate ended. Joining me by phone to begin to break it all down is Gina Hamilton, editor-in-chief at the New Maine Times and longtime investigative journalist, writer, and economic analyst. Welcome, Gina Hamilton. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I don't know about you, but that was a very interesting debate. Like, I think the most um, difficult debate I've ever watched in my life. Um, I guess my first question to you is, what's your reaction from a gut level uh, as to what you just heard and saw? Uh, well, I my, my first reaction is that we have a president right now who has absolutely no internal filter. Um, and it was a difficult thing to, to bring out in, in a public forum like this. I mean, I suppose we always knew that, but this just lays it out there for all concerned. Well, I and the president is down in the polls coming into the debate, so it seemed like it was his job going into tonight in Cleveland, Ohio, to change the trajectory of the race. Do you think he did anything to convince voters who might be on the fence uh, to continue to support him going forward? I don't know how many voters are on the fence right now. I, I think that what we've really got here is, is a, a group of people, the two, you know, two of them and their and their campaigns, who are trying to shore up whatever base that they have. Um, I, I think clearly that Biden did a better job of being calm, cool, and collected and presidential. Uh, you know, to the extent that that matters to Trump's base, I, I don't know. But my guess is that um, Trump did not change any hearts and minds in, in this particular debate. What about Joe Biden? There's been concerns raised by Republicans and the Trump campaign, especially that Joe Biden's age is, is um, you know, impacting his ability to be cogent and he's not capable of being president. Do you think that Joe Biden demonstrated to the American public that he's competent to serve as president? Oh, yes. I, I think Biden, um, you know, for, he made a couple of minor um, fact-checky issues. But for the most part, I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. And, you know, it would have been a nice moment for him to have said something like, you know, I, I won't hold Trump's inexperience and use, you know, against him the way that Reagan did back in um, 80, was it 82? It, it was, unfortunately, Trump is, was just belligerent, and there were just too many questions that were left unanswered um, because they couldn't get a word in edgewise. And, Did, you know, and, and I was surprised at how difficult it was for Chris Wallace to, to control that. Do you think that the spec? I mean, did you think the spectacle of Chris Wallace trying, like, begging uh, the president to stop interrupting, is um, fodder for the people who hate the media and think that 
the media is the enemy? I mean, I'm not sure that the media was the enemy in tonight's debate. What do you think about that? No, I don't think they were. I mean, I think it would have been great if Chris Wallace had an off button on Trump's microphone. But, you know, I, it wasn't his fault that, that Trump behaved like a toddler. I mean, it was, it was just that Trump behaved like a toddler and over and over and over. Um, he was really trying to avoid a lot of different issues, including his, his tax status, um, the COVID issue. He, I mean, there were things that he, you know, he would go off when he wanted to avoid issues on his own. It sounded to me. Do you um, think, do you think, I mean, in debates in the past um, and with other candidates, fact-checking is popular. Uh, do you think fact-checking is going to have any relevance to people's judgment about who won the debate? I mean, was it about facts? No. I mean, with Trump's face, it's never about facts. Um, you know, I, I think that there will be Trump's, Trump's campaign will try to make hay with the few things that Biden said that were questionable. Um, but, you know, Trump said so many questionable things that I can't imagine that this is going to be an issue um, for his base. I mean, it's just they don't care whether he's telling the truth or not. I mean, everyone, you know, the, if his lips are moving, you know, he's probably not telling the truth. Um, so everyone knows that. They don't care. The, his, his small group of, of, you know, base voters, um, you know, for, unfortunately for Trump, he's losing a lot of voters in the suburbs. He's losing uh, educated, you know, white women and men even. And, you know, he's really down to the to the basic white working class voters who are going to stick with him through thick and thin just because, you know, they believe that Biden is a socialist. Now, women, of course... Yeah, women are going to most likely determine the outcome of the election. Do you think, I mean, I I can't speak for the women who are in the Midwest, um, but as far as suburban women who might be center-left, center-right, you know, straddling the center, concerned with pocketbook issues, maybe a little concerned about um, some of the far-left idealism that's expressed by some of the progressives associated with Bernie Sanders. Do you think Trump provided any reason for suburban women to get out and vote for him? No. No, I I think most suburban women are concerned about the same things that almost everyone else are concerned about, which is COVID-19, the cratering economy, um, the healthcare issue, um, they're pretty upset, I think, about you know pushing through a Supreme Court nominee at this point in the election cycle, and I I really believe that they they are very concerned about about the issue of Trump's taxes. I mean, these are women who are paying more in taxes than you know than Trump did in two years. Now you I don't know what. No, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I don't. I don't know how you how you solve that. <laughs> um, if you're Trump, you know how do you, how do you tell people? You know, other than lie and say he he paid you know millions of dollars in federal income tax, which is what he said. 
um, how do you how do you get around that 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 new disclosure? How do you get around the fact that he knew as early as February that COVID nineteen was going to be a serious threat and essentially did nothing? Now, you know, these are women with kids. You, in addition to being a journalist, um, describe yourself, I believe, as an economic analyst and are, you know, a, yeah. a scholar of the economy. So I think Trump's best case for reelection, if it wasn't for COVID, would be the economy. I mean, I think it's undisputed, or at least I believe that, you know, the American family's economic, um, uh, you know, numbers were better before COVID than they've had, you know, than they've been in a long time. Wages were up, unemployment was down, the median salary for most American families was increased. Do you, I'm just, I'm wondering if people's pocketbook interests will somehow take precedence over their viewing the president tonight as what in my mind was just a, you know, it's just a stunning display of bullying and ignorance. I mean, do you think that because people maybe made more money last year that they might just vote for him anyway? I doubt it. Um, They've had a good eight months of not being in that situation. There are a lot of people really on the edge, Um, people who run small businesses, people who... um, are working in fields where they've been on the front line in one way or another. Um, you know, people who are unemployed, you know, through no fault of their own because, you know, their, their businesses have closed or because their hours are cut or people who are trying to work at home and raise children and teach them and, you know, do everything that they would normally do. It, I, I, and those things affect women more than anybody. I think, um, you know, if you're trying to, if you're working at home and you've, you're, you're trying to, you know, manage a toddler or, you know, try to supervise two children, you know, on computers and, and you don't have a very good, you know, internet network to begin with, it's going to fall on, on mom for the most part, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think that, you know, remembering how, how good it was last year is really going to be that big of a, a draw. Now, what do you make of... Yeah, what, now you uh, came from, um, you know, serving as editor and journalist for local newspapers before there was the huge media consolidation and, and downsizing of local media. Do you think the fact that the moderator in tonight's debate uh, Chris Wallace from Fox News is from Fox News, and Fox News is associated with being kind of a supporter and on the team of Donald Trump. Do you think that 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 will lend itself to I don't know anything as far as Trump supporters watching? Are they going to give more credence to Chris Wallace because he's from Fox News in his attempts at moderating tonight's debate? Well, Chris Wallace had a pretty edgy interview with Trump um, last summer. I mean, this, this past summer, in which, you know, he did not pull any punches. And, and Chris Wallace comes from a family of very respected journalists, um, none of whom worked for CBS, <laughs> I mean, for Fox. <laughs> um, 
And so, you know, I, I think that there is, there is in Chris Wallace's deepest heart, you know, a, a desire to be a journalist rather than a Fox commentator. How do you so, think he? How do you think he did tonight? I think he did as well as anyone could have under the circumstances, um, without a, you know, some kind of way to turn off a microphone. I, you know, and maybe that'll be the next step for the next <laughs> debate. We can hope, um, you know. But it just it seems to me that he was trying to be very um, even-handed, you know, and he. He asked tough questions of Biden as well as as Trump, um, and Trump and Biden was more able to to respond, I think, than than Trump was. As but, far as far as me, you know, they, they both you know traded singers, so I I don't know. As far as Maine goes, you know the the country watches Maine because we're one of two states that splits up electoral college votes, and of course Donald Trump won one electoral college vote in the second congressional district in 2016. Did you hear anything tonight that might resonate with Mainers in the second congressional district? Well, um, actually, yes. I mean, I I think when they got to the point where they were talking about um, green energy and, and Biden, uh, this was very toward the very end of the debate. Biden was was talking about, um, you know, bringing about net zero in terms of energy production in 2035 and creating millions of jobs of good paying energy jobs. Um, and you know, it, we live in a state where we have the oldest um, housing stock in the country, and a lot of money that. That Biden is talking about going into the, those programs will go toward upgrading a lot of Mainers' homes to save us money on you know heating uh, fuels, and I, I think that that will probably resonate. Um, he also said something interesting about um, about reimagining policing, which. I think in a state like Maine, where we don't really have the same issues um, with race relations in policing that they have in other states, talking about police having the opportunity to deal with the problems that they face, like mental illness or um, domestic violence, and having a psychologist um, come with them to try to talk people down from the ledge. I was I was talking to one of our local um, sheriffs the other day and he said something like it's really really hard to talk somebody down from the ledge when all you have is the point of a gun huh, that's interesting and, you know, we don't have you know a lot of mental health beds in Maine and we need them and we don't have a lot of um, domestic violence you know support groups and we need them and you know these are the issues that we have here when you know I think it's a third or maybe a little more than a third of the people who have been shot by police in in these, you know, police-involved shootings have been mental, mentally ill patients. So reimagining policing to include social workers and people who can get you into a mental health bed and 
you know, somebody who, you know, community policing to, to, you know, deal with people on a daily basis and be part of the community. I think those are things that will, will resonate in Maine quite well. What about the, um, you know, the what about the, the the big race that everyone's watching in Maine? Of course, in addition to the presidential election, is the U.S. Senate race between Republican incumbent Susan Collins and Democrat um, Speaker of the House Sarah Gideon. Do you think? Do you have any sense of whether tonight's debate performance will impact that race at all, or do you do you think that there's separate races entirely? I think Susan Collins probably lost her race before she even had um, an opponent. To be honest, even um, though she even though she won last time by seventy percent, Trump <laughs> necessarily. Um, I think it had to do with with Brett Kavanaugh and um, the fact that women in the state no longer trust. That when she says she is standing up for women's rights, she she does that. And Susan Collins has always been what we call in the in the is a, a catch and release, which means that if they need her vote for some reason, you know, either to you know to pass a piece of legislation or to you know prevent a, a piece of legislation from passing, they call her in. They re, you know they reel her in. But otherwise, she's been allowed to vote her conscience. It just so happens for her, and it's unfortunate for her, that this year um, they've needed her vote more than they have in, you know, in many, many years. So she's been, she's been voting with the party, and it's been very obvious. Um, well, I think, you know, Sarah Gideon needs to sort of get out there and, and, and be a little bit clearer about what she is for <laughs> um, rather than you know all of these ads that are just negative ads about Susan Collins and, and her voting record. I mean Sarah Gideon has a voting record too and at this point she should be trumpeting that. Well uh, Gina Hamilton do you anticipate that you'll watch the next presidential debate on well I guess there's a vice presidential debate on October 7th and then there's two more presidential debates on October 15th and 22nd are you well, after I st- kind of have to. <laughs> <laughs> for your job yeah I mean you know we, when we're I mean I'm, I'm the editor of the New Meeting Times and so you know of course we, we have to cover these things and I, I wish that this one had been more substantial um and, and I say I, I don't think that there was anything that anyone could have done to prevent the debacle it became. But you know it was unfortunate that that it did. You know because we are getting very close to the election now, and it's really really important that people begin to hear for real. You know th- those who are still undecided or those who are you know flirting with the idea of a third party really understand where the two parties are coming from. Will you be writing? Will you be writing about this debate tonight? Oh yes, I've t- taken copious notes. And so, if if listeners um, if listeners of the podcast want to read what you write, how will they find that? How can they find that? Oh, newmaintimes um, org, and um, it should be right on the front page at that point. So, have you decided what the lead is yet? 
I don't know. Uh, I, my guess is I'll have to talk about you know how how difficult it was to even you know get any information based on this, but you know, and then say what information I was able to get and what things needed to be fact checked and you know all of that. But it's unfortunate at this point that we have you know so little time and and so it's such an important race and so you know so many things just were not able to be touched upon or weren't touched upon in any depth because of the bickering and the you know interruptions and the that sort of thing and and Trump trying his level best to get Hunter Biden in there and and pretty much failing you know but it just we have reached a point now where we should have two adult human beings running for election and right now we don't well Gina Hamilton editor-in-chief at the main oh excuse me at the new main times uh thank you so much for joining keep up with Cynthia Dill I really appreciate it My pleasure. Take care. Have a good night. You too.